Love Talk Radio. Oh, well. What are you going to do? No, it's down low enough. Nobody can see it. All right. We're about to get started. And our hearts are made to bleed for solid word or deed. 
And we wonder why the test when we try to do our best. For we'll understand it better by and by. By and by. When the morning comes. When the saints of God are gathered home. We will tell the story how we've overcome. We will understand it better by and by. Praise God. There's a lot of things we don't understand, but someday we'll see him face to face, and we'll know as we're known, praise God. Amen, and what a day that'll be. Amen, that glad reunion day when all this old world and its troubles are all over, praise God. And that day's coming, hallelujah. But it says we'll tell the story how we overcome. How did we overcome? We overcame by the blood of the Lamb, Lamb and the word of his testimony, Amen. Praise God. It was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the way. Amen. Has he been good to you this morning? Amen. Amen. He's been good to me, better than I ever deserved. Amen. It's good to be in God's house this morning. It's good to see all of you. Uh, I know we have prayer requests today, so go ahead. Whoever's got first one, go ahead. Miss Charlotte? Praise me. Mercy. All right, sister. Sorry to hear about that. We'll pray for your knee to get better. Pray for Robert, too. He hit a hate-out block with his head or two. Pray his, pray, pray his head gets well. <laughs> uh, others this morning? Okay. Well, I, again, I'll share it again, but I I went and saw Grant on Thursday, and uh, then I went again yesterday, and uh, I could tell a great difference in those just those two days. Uh, he's getting weaker. And, uh, you know, we were able to hold a pretty good conversation on Thursday. But yesterday, good morning, sister. Yesterday, he, he couldn't really get his words, his thoughts. He, he knew what he wanted to say, but he couldn't get his mouth to say it. And uh, we had a we had a glorious little time of prayer there together. And, and uh, he's ready to go home. He, he, he dozed off and he woke up and he asked Bunny, he said, what world am I in? She said, you don't know what world you're in? He said, no. She said, you're in the same one you went to sleep in. Yeah, but, but praise God, one of these days, he gonna, real soon, he's going to go to sleep and he's going to wake up in the Lord's presence. And we, we rejoice in knowing that. But uh, what, what, a, what a man and what a, what a knowledge of the Word of God and, and what a loss it will be for us. But I, I, I praise God that he'll be home with the Lord, and I know that they do too because they, they know where he's going. So let's remember to, to lift up their whole family. Uh, Bonnie especially, she's been through it with all this, and it's just wore her out. I can't imagine. Uh, I know how I know how being home with COVID was, but but this is a lot worse than just being home with COVID, and and, and it and it it wore her out. So pray for God, give her renewed strength, and uh, pray for their family. All right, remember to pray for for the the Stringer and Stanley family families um, with the loss of Sue, and pray that uh, God will give comfort. And, in all in all, everybody's life involved. Um, others prayer requests this morning. I've got two or three. I've got uh, my friend Wally Langford in Arkansas. I've got my friend Dean Usey in uh, Connecticut, and uh, also Dale Parks in California. <coughs> all right. Remember Bubba Wally Yeah, let's remember Bubba in prayer. Let's remember Dan and Anya. I know Dan went to the doctor yesterday, and uh, he got some news. He'll tell us about. It, I'm sure. But anyway. Y'all just pray for them, and uh, it's good to be in God's house. I'm glad we're able to come together and meet, amen, and I look forward to today, amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
So ask God to meet with us and bless the offering and meet these needs. Robert, lead us. Most praise to heaven, Father, Lord, and once again, pray that church service by hand. Lord, you heard all the praise and prayer. Please help God in these needs and pray with Lord, just thank you for the preacher and preacher and for all that they Yes. Thank you for all the work. His name pray. Amen. You can be seated. and we praise God for every one of them. Amen. All right, we're going to sing another one. Turn to number 71. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. <coughs> My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest praise, but holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide its face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His hope is covered, not his blood, support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and say. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with prophet sound, oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone, falls left to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Amen. We live in a world full of sinking sand, too, and people trying to stand on it, and they just won't make it. Amen. grieves my heart to know so many people out there are lost in sin and relying on their works. When Jesus is the answer, Amen. Let's uh, let's turn to three thirty one and saying what we ought to be doing. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. I won't make you stand on your feet, but we ought to stand up, Amen, on the inside. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Let I royal banner. It must not suffer long. From victory to victory, his army shall he see. Till 
this morning that old saying that I mean most of you probably heard all it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing amen we we're, listen we're not good because of anything about us the only goodness we have in us is what we're saved by the grace of God and we have we have the spirit of God living within us but we are on the side of good and truth and right and we must stand up for truth and right or it'll be taken from us amen just want to say that had that on my chest I got it off we'll sing another number 90 amen living by faith that means trusting God not this old world you see around you amen number 90 number 90 I care not today what the morrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's safe in a sheltering arm, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. The tempest may blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life. I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the strife. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm's sake and sheltering on, I'm living by faith. And feel no alarm. I know that he safely will carry me through, no matter what evil betide. Why should I then care though the tempest may blow, if Jesus walks close to my side? Living. 
You'll be glad to be in church with me. Amen. I, I said before I said before Sunday school this morning, now I don't mean to worry you, but God gave me something to preach this, yesterday. I wasn't expecting to preach on this subject. I wasn't expecting to run up on it, but it, it you know, there's things in the Bible. That, that sometimes when a preacher runs up on he's like, ooh, I don't want to hit that. That might upset somebody. So I just skip that and go to something that won't. But I'm not that kind. Amen? I'm an equal opportunity offender. That's, huh? That's how I get it done. <laughs> somebody say, well, you rub me the wrong way, preacher. Well, turn around. I'll rub you the right way. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> But I'm not here to rub you the wrong way, but I want to give you some truth. And I want to help you understand some things that maybe you don't understand. A lot of people in this world don't understand it. I, I dare say the thing I'm going to touch on this morning, probably ain't no preacher in America touching on today. Probably had nobody touched on in quite some time. And, and the reason being is because, again, people don't want to hear it, and most people don't, just literally don't know. Because most Bible study doesn't get deep enough for anybody to find these things out. So we're going to look this morning. Now, we're going to read five verses in, in Acts chapter 12 this morning. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. I, I think I can get to where I want to go this morning. I'm pretty sure I can, so we're going to try and see what we can do. But I want to say to all of them listening out there this morning, buckle up, because it's going to get bumpy, and some things that you hold near and dear may, may not seem so near and dear when we're done. So anyway, let's roll. Amen. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says, <clears throat> Now, about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had approached him, he put him in prison. And, and what I say, when he, had apprehended, when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, 
intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, we come before your throne. And, Lord, we know that, Lord, we can do nothing without you. Lord, we need you. I come to you, Lord, laying myself at your feet and asking you, please, fill me with the Spirit of God. Lord, use me. You've laid on my heart what to preach. I pray this morning that you'll give me power. You'll give me unction. You'll give me clarity of mind. And, Lord, help me just to preach what you put in front of me. Lord God, I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice this morning. Lord, that they know I come not to hurt anybody but to reveal truth. Lord, I come this morning to uh, give us a better understanding of why this world we live in is the way it is. Father, I just pray, the Lord, that we'll see sin for what it is. That we'll understand that evil's been working for a very long time to bring us to its end. Lord God, I just pray that you'll give us understanding, Lord, that we might see the evils and dangers. And Lord, that we might cling closer to thee. I pray, Lord, for each and every one on the sound of my voice, Father. I pray for the one that's lost and near as hell. I pray, Father, for their salvation. Lord, I pray you use me in some way this morning to be a blessing to other people. Fill us all with your Holy Ghost and use us in Christ's name. Amen. All right. This morning we are again back on the subject of persecution. We hadn't talked about persecution for just a little while, but, uh, but let's kind of refresh ourselves on this. The persecution of the church began in chapter 4. You remember what happened? Peter and, Peter and, and uh, was it John Peter and John went into the temple about 3 o'clock on the Lord's Day, or well, I don't know, Lord's Day. They went about 3 o'clock in the afternoon time of prayer, and the man outside the gates was lame, and Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, such as I have given unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, we'll rise up and walk. And he did, and he leaped, and he jumped, and he praised God. And some people all gathered around, and, and, the, and the, the authority said, Hold up now, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to fly. They took them in. They said, Y'all don't do, y'all don't preach in the name of Jesus no more. Do you hear us? Do you hear me, boy? Or are we going to get you? And, and they just they went off, and, and uh, they kept on doing it. So we saw, again, in chapter in chapter 5, where they brought them in, they threatened them, they, they whipped them and all that, and they set them free and all that, and they went back to the church and they praised God. And then chapter 5 was about Ananias and Sapphira. And then we got through chapter 6, and we got back to chapter, in chapter 7 and 8. We, we see the account of uh, Stephen, and Stephen preaching that message after he went to the Hellenistic Jews and, 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 and they, they, well, they, they brought him before their council, and, 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 you know, he preached that powerful, powerful message that, that Christ is the king, that Christ is the Messiah, that Christ was the one that they rejected. And they got angry, and they took him out, and they stoned him to death. And you remember Saul was there holding his co- the coats of those who, who stoned him to death? And then we came to chapter 9, and we have the conversion of Saul on the road to Damascus. And, uh, you know, God deals with him. And then in verse 31 uh, of chapter 9, well, I'll just read it to you because I'm right here by it. Chapter 9, verse 31, the Bible says, Then had all had the churches rest. They had rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. So they, they were scattered and they went everywhere preaching and, 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 and they were edified, they were growing, they were getting stronger in the Lord, but they all left Jerusalem. Remember, it was just the apostles 
that stayed in Jerusalem. So surely they were winning some people to the Lord too in Jerusalem while these other Jews have gone out throughout Judea. So up until that time, all of the persecution that had happened had been religious persecution, okay? It had been the Jews saying, you know, we can't have this preaching of Jesus. Number one, it makes us look horrible. And number two, they're out and we're going to outnumber us soon. So, again, they caused that persecution. After Stephen, everybody went, went in different directions and got out of town because they saw, hey, they'll kill people. We've got to get out of here. God used that to drive the gospel out. That was God, again, that was God's, uh, uh, God's witnessing program. He sent people out. He scattered the people. And so all that was, was religious persecution. But this morning we're going, to take, we're going to turn and we're going to look and see the first time political persecution began to happen. Somebody said, well, you need to keep religion and politics separate. Well, it runs together this morning. I can't help it. Amen. I'm going to trump on everything this morning with both feet, amen, and not apologize for anything because it's, because it's the truth, amen. Political persecution of the church. Y'all know what politics means, right? I've told y'all before. Some of y'all heard it in other places. If you break the word politics down, it, poly means many and ticks are bloodsuckers, and that's what you have in politics is a whole bunch of bloodsuckers, amen? they just out for what they can get, and they ruin everybody else's life for the most part. We're going to be introduced this morning to Herod. Y'all say, well, we've seen Herod. He was there with Jesus. Well, that was a different Herod. That was Herod Antipas. Now we're looking at Herod Agrippa. This is a different one. Okay, well, let's get to know him for just a second. <coughs> now, Herod... Herod Antipas was the Tetrarch of Galilee, which meant he was over a small part there, and so was Herod Agrippa. But not only that, he had had the government of Judea, that whole southern kingdom, the whole region, he had recently had it committed to him by Claudius Caesar. A lot of this is going to be historical, okay? It's not going to be point by point, bombastic, nothing. This is just going to be line upon line here. So you had... So, again, he was given that jurisdiction over that whole southern kingdom. So he's in control of it. And guess where all the church went? Out into all Judea, into all his kingdom. And it's spreading. Guess what? That's causing him a little conflict of interest. What's going to happen? Because, see, I mean, listen, he's trying to keep everything under control because he answers to the big boys in Rome. He's like, listen, he, he's a sellout. Amen? He's a sellout. He's a, he's a Jew in name only. He's more of a Roman in heart than he is a Jew. And he lived, it, most of his time he lived and spent there in Jerusalem. So, again, people are getting saved. The church is starting to grow again in Jerusalem. And he says, hey, you know, I've got to put a stop to this before it gets out of hand. So verse 1 tells us that Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. So like I said, after, the, after, after Saul was saved, the church had had rest. Okay? Everything had been good. People were starting to you know, enjoy their Christian life and, and sharing the gospel with others without fear that anything was going to happen to them. It looked like things were going to go real good, but all of a sudden, something changed. Something had restrained Herod from doing anything up until then, and I'm sure it was God's hand holding him back, 
But there came a time when it was time for that persecution to happen, and so he, was, he wasn't restrained anymore. So he stretched forth his hands to, to do something. Uh, like I said, he, he answered to Rome. Those were his bosses, the Romans. And so maybe he was urged by the Romans. Maybe they said, you know, you've got to rein this in. If you're going to be the king of Judea, you can't let this Christianity take over down there. You can't have them telling you and telling everybody else how it's going to be and telling, telling them that your religion's no good anymore, that you need to believe on this Jesus. You need to put a stop to all that stuff. So maybe he did it under pressure of the Romans, or, or maybe he just did it for political favor to please the Jews who didn't like what was going on in Jerusalem before all that persecution had run them out of there, and they're starting to grow again. And maybe they put pressure on him and said, hey, you've got to fix this problem. But for whatever reason, he stretched forth his hand to vex the Jews. And what he did, he, he, the Bible said he chose, he fixed certain of them. He didn't go and attack everybody he made examples out of a few. Now, that's a bully tactic. You used to have a friend that was a police officer in Paris. He said, if you're confronted with a crowd who are unruly, I said, how do you deal with that? He said, well, you take your nightstick and you bust the head of one of the weaker ones, and it'll scare everybody else, and they'll back off. Now, that's a bully tactic. That's a bully tactic, and that's exactly the bully tactic that Herod, Herod was using. He said, well, you know, I'll go in here and I'll disrupt them. I mean, I'll get after some of them and they'll quit. They'll quit. They attack the weak and the others will comply. So he began vexing them. And what do you mean by vexing? That, that almost sounds like a mild word of a nine word. He was never vexed. No, he was afflicting them. He was causing them grief. Uh, you know, I'm sure they had a hard time working a job because there was people attacking them at work. I mean, I mean they had people they had people in Israel called tormentors who would go around, if somebody didn't pay their debt, they'd go around telling everybody, hey, don't trust this guy. He don't pay his bills. I mean, they had people literally to do that. So I mean, I'm no doubt in my mind they sent people in there to harass them at work. They were arresting some of them, putting them in jail. Word gets around to other Christians in town. Hey, they're starting to arrest people. You know what? The weak ones quit. The ones who ain't really very strong in faith, they'll give up. I'm afraid of what's going to happen in America when they crack down on Christianity. I'm afraid churches will lock their doors and people won't meet anymore. I'm really afraid that we in America are so weak in faith that we, we won't know what to do when the trouble really hits. They began imposing fines on these people and making them pay hefty fines for gathering and meeting and, and, and preaching Christ. They, they began raiding their homes and, and destroying their goods and, and spoiling everything they had. I mean, making life a nightmare for them. And then they began to increase the cruelty. Okay? So again, words scattered around all around Jerusalem and throughout all Judea. They're cracking down, y'all. They're cracking down. We, what are we going to do? James 1, 2 through 4, here's what it says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. When that trouble comes on you, say, hallelujah, God's doing something. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And listen, when in hard times and in, 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 in terrible times and times of trial, we say, how are we going to make it through this? God's going to get us through it, and God gets us through it. And on the other side of it, we're safe, more stable than we were on the, the beginning of it because we have experience and we've learned what God can do and what he will do in our life. 
But, but let patience have her perfect work. So patience, waiting on God, trusting God in trials, it, it perfects us. It, it matures us. It stabilizes us. Let her have her perfect work that she may be perfect or grown up or mature and entire, wanting nothing. That's what I want to do. I want to get to be an established, mature Christian where I'm solid in all the areas of my life so that I, I'm relying on God and trusting God and, and believing God and have assurance in God and all those things. That's, that's where we all want to get to. And that's what God's saying, and it comes through trials. It comes through finding out what God will do in those trials. So again, they were increasing the cruelty. Look at verse 2. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Took him in, he arrested him, brought him in, put him in a jail cell, and they probably did him just about like they did John the Baptist. In secrecy, they went in with a sword and they cut his head off, beheaded him right there in the jail cell, killed him. It was a political crime. When you assassinate your opponents or you assassinate those you don't like, that's a political crime. And that's exactly what happened. Herod felt, you know, this will gain me favor with the Jews. They'll be happy with me if I kill James. And it did. It made them happy. They liked it. They liked it. See, Herod went with that mentality of cut off the head and the body will die. He thought, well, you know, James is a powerful preacher. If I get rid of James, they'll surely say, we better quit. We better back off of this. See, the only problem with that was that James wasn't the head. You see, they'd already killed the head, and he wouldn't stay dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is the head of his church. Amen. They couldn't keep him dead. <coughs> but you remember James and John, their, their nickname that Jesus gave them? What were they called? Somebody tell me. Sons of Thunder. You know, I get the impression from that that maybe James and John could preach. Amen. The Sons of Thunder. I mean, when they preach, I mean, I, I guarantee you they could preach loud and they could preach strong. You know, I, and I'm, I'm sure that upset Herod quite a bit. So I don't know if you remember, but in Matthew 20, James and John make a very bold request. If you don't turn over to Matthew 20, you can. I'll give you about 10 seconds to find it, and then I'm going to read it. But uh, Matthew 20, 20. But uh, they both made this bold request. They got their mother in on it. Who was I think she was Jesus' uh, uh, let's see, his cousin, if I'm not mistaken. The Bible says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. This is old, This is Zebedee's wife. She comes to him with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. She, I mean, if she was a good mama, she's looking out for her boys. <laughs> Jesus, it sure would be nice if when all this is completed, you could let James sit on one side of you and John on the other. Wouldn't that be nice, Jesus? That'd be so nice. But Jesus answered and said, you know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink the cup that I shall drink of, Jesus asks, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, he's talking about Calvary. He's talking about what he's going to have to go through. And they said, we're able. They didn't know what they were saying. They really didn't understand the depth of what he was asking them. But they answered, we are able. 
And he saith unto them, Ye shall indeed drink, ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. It's up to the Father who sits on the right and the left. You see, he asked, though, did he not ask? He said, I can do it. I can drink that cup. Well, his request is answered right here. He lost his head for Jesus' sake. 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Oh, there's glory. If, if, you, if you give up your life for Christ's sake, oh, there's, uh, you become a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's, there's glory in that, and, and you'll receive glory, and, it, and, 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 and you'll, be, you'll be glorified in heaven for dying for Christ's sake. Hebrews 12, 4 says, Ye have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Well, James stood for Christ, and he sealed it with his own blood. I mean, he could have said, no, 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 I won't preach him anymore. I won't do it anymore. No. What, would he, what did they say in that day, that day in there before the council? We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You judge whether it's right to obey you or God. We, we ought to obey God rather than men. That's what their words were. I said, well, they were anti-establishment. They were, they were, they were, they were rebels. They were all this. No, they were just going to stand for God and tell the world to go jump in the lake. That's what they were doing. So the world can go take a hike. We're going to stand with Jesus come what may. And he sealed it with his own blood. And he, la- he laid his head down for the, for the executioner, amen, because of Christ. And I'm afraid in America that we're afraid to get our nails dirty for Christ, much less bleed and die for him. I'm really concerned that we have lost something in America. The only reason, listen to me, hear what I'm about to say. The only reason that Christianity is not illegal right now in America is because they don't have the votes for it yet. You hear what I'm saying? Once there's enough voices, enough votes to vote us out, we will be illegal. You don't believe me? Sodomite marriage was illegal for a long, long, long time. But guess what? They got the votes. They got enough support behind it. And now, hey, Bob can marry Larry. And Sue can marry Linda. It, you know, hey, they can do, they can do what they want. You know, you, you probably marry your Cocker Spaniel if you want to. There's no more reason in this world. There's no more truth in this world except for in the Word of God, and they don't want it. Sodomite marriage. Why? Because they have the votes. Abortion is legal. Why? And by the way, right now there's a battle going on in the Supreme Court uh, to, to get rid of Roe versus Wade and rid America of, of the horrible atrocity of baby murder. How did we get to the point to where, to where 4,000 uh, babies are murdered every year? Am I right on that? It may be more than that. Maybe that's a day. I can't remember. It's a horrible, horrible... Uh, it's a horrible statistic. I mean, listen, there have been, been millions murdered since 1970. 73, whenever that was. I can't even remember, but when Roe versus Wade was made law. But they, it's legal for a reason. It's because there are enough, there's enough ungodly women in this world crying out, Let me murder my child! And right now they're throwing a hissy fit all over America because they want to be able to kill their children if they want to. Once they have the votes, we're sunk. We're in trouble anyway, folks, because they're fighting harder for our kids than we are in America. 
I guarantee you, you look at, if you have some way I could carry us and we could look at every congregation throughout America this morning, you'd find a stark lack of kids. But I guarantee you, you go to every concert, it's packed. You go to ball games, it's packed. You go to the movie house, it's packed. Thereafter, our kids, because the kids are the future. And when they have, all, all Satan has to do is still one generation, and he's almost got it. And we're done. All right, verse 3. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to further take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. Okay, first of all, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to run over a few minutes this morning, so just be prepared. I'll try to give it back tonight. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews. This is dirty politics that they're playing. Amen? He, he said, oh, they liked that. They liked it when I killed James. That got them all excited. Well, let's get Peter too. That's what he did. He went and arrested Peter when he saw that, hey, he had the political wind at his back. Hey, this is good. I'm, I, I'm getting popular. This is, they love me because I'm taking care of business. Verse 4, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Let's get bumpy, y'all. This took place during the Passover celebration. You say, how do you know that? Well, the Bible says it was the days of unleavened bread. Right? Okay? The Bible tells us there was four quaternions of soldiers. That's four groups of four, 16 men. There's four watches of the day. So there were four soldiers uh, stationed to watch Peter at each watch of the day, the first watch, second watch, third watch, fourth watch. Two were inside, chained to him, one on either side, and two were standing outside the door. <coughs> four shifts a day. Now, I want you to notice there in verse 4. He waited, intending after what? Easter. To bring him forth. That word Easter in verse 4. In other, in other versions, they don't use that word. They change it. They call it Passover. But I want you to understand, that's not a mistake in your King James Bible. That word Easter is not a mistake. Easter does not mean the same thing as Passover. I don't care who says it does. Easter does not mean the same thing as Passover. It never has. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand that... Easter is a pagan holiday, has pagan origins, and I'm going to talk to you about it this morning. Again, I ain't come to hurt your feelings. If you get your feelings hurt, that's the truth hurting you. I'm just telling you what God, I'm showing you what God laid in front of me. Easter was celebrated by the Romans. And again, Herod was political buddies with the Romans. So Herod's going to wait until the Roman holiday of Easter is over before he is going to bring Peter forth. He's not concerned about the Jews and Passover. He's concerned about the Romans because that's who he's trying to please. Now, Easter, again, it was a pagan holiday, but it was incorporated in about after 400 when Constantine, the Roman emperor, became a, quote, Christian. He became a Catholic. He made Catholicism the state religion of Rome. 
And when and in doing so, they brought Easter in and made it equated it somehow with Jesus. All right, now I'm going I'm to tell you how all this took place. So hang on. I'll try to do it as quick as I can, but I want you to focus and listen. <clears throat> the origin of Easter, the holiday, and now, this has nothing to do with the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying one negative word against the resurrection of my Lord and Savior. Understand that I'm all for celebrating and giving all the glory to the Lord for his resurrection. I'm not disparaging that in one iota, not one little bit. But I want to deal with this word Easter so that you understand where it comes from. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis and the Tower of Babel. Amen? All right, now listen. There was a man named Nimrod. He was of the descendants of Cush. Uh, um, He was actually the descendants of Ham. Cush was... Uh, was a descendant of, of Ham. So he's one. He's a descendant of one of Noah's sons. Of course, that's the only people that are on earth. But uh, but he became the first type, the first picture of Antichrist. Again, Alexander the Great, who conquered the whole known world, he was a type of Antichrist. Uh, Adolf Hitler was a type of Antichrist. He had he had he had uh, aims of conquering the whole world. Uh, so Nimrod, he he began to build cities, walled cities, build a kingdom for himself. And all the people, they started gathering toward the plain of Shinar, and they began to build this tower to heaven. Now, that tower to heaven wasn't built to go and try to reach God Almighty, but it was trying to show God that man can do what God can do. So she, uh, he had a wife, and her name was Semiramis, okay? His wife named Semiramis. She gave birth to a son after the death of her husband, Nimrod, and she claimed that her son was her husband reincarnated. Now, understand, she knew the, the prophecy that, that there was a Redeemer coming. She, she, she had heard the prophecy. Listen, Adam and, and, and all the descendants of Adam were still preaching what God had showed them in the garden. All right? So she took some of that, and she tried to incorporate that into her own self because she's going to say they're, they're going to be worshipped. So after she did this, uh, okay, she had this son, claimed it was her husband, Nimrod, reincarnated. She named him Tammuz. Nimrod was mourned greatly by the people after he died, and he was told, uh, she, and she told them that he was now the sun god. Okay? He was the sun god, and she came to be known as the queen of heaven. That's in the Bible. Listen to the words spoken by... Jews living in Egypt. Jeremiah forty four seventeen. Listen to this. But we will certainly do whatever whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouth to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. These are Jews that have that have gone off into Egypt and gotten corrupted and they're following other gods. They said we will burn incense to the queen of heaven and pour out drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings, our princes in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. For then had we plenty of victuals and were well and saw no evil. We will worship this queen of heaven. Oftentimes Israel would go whoring after other gods. Y'all heard about that all through the Bible. And you hear about Baal and Molech and all that. This is all tied back to Babel. Everything we're seeing today is all tied back to Babel. So Semiramis and her son Tammuz were worshipped as mother and son, mother goddess and little god son. So when the people of earth tried to build a tower to heaven, 
worshiping this mother and son God combination, God in heaven would have no more of it. And he came down and he divided their languages. All right? Well, guess what they carried with them into all the world? Their mother and son worship in every culture. Every culture, there is some image, some statue, some reference made to mother and son worship. They all had different names. You had Janus and Fortunatus. You had Horus and Osiris. You had all these different gods and goddesses. But they're all mother and son. So when Catholicism began to spread and conquer these pagan societies, you ever notice the Pope, that weird hat he wears? Looks like an opal fish's mouth. That's, that, that came from the god Dagon in the Bible, the fish god. When they conquered that territory, they just say, hey, we won't take away all your pagan images. We'll just change them and give them a Christian name and Christianize them. That's what they have done down through history. So when they went into all the world with their doctrine of worshiping Mary along with Jesus, it was easy to find everybody else would accept it because it was already in all the societies around the world. So they incorporated Easter into their vernacular along with the worship, the idols, the fertility idols like rabbits and eggs. Those are fertility idols. Today we just say, oh, that's just secular. That's just what the world is. No, that's, that's, that's pagan. And according to history, Tammuz was killed by a wild boar. And the story goes that through his mother's tears, he was revived every spring. And every year when after the winter and everything was dead and dry and, 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 and the, the things began to green up again, they would say, oh, Tammuz is coming back to life. And, and so the spring festival began to be uh, observed, and they celebrated it, these pagans did. I want you to listen to this vision in Ezekiel about abominations in the Lord's house. Listen to it, Ezekiel eight fourteen. So he's talking about the Lord carrying him in a vision. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, listen, there sat women weeping for Tammuz. There it is in your King James Bible. They were there at the Lord's house weeping for Tammuz. In verse 16, that same chapter, you see the origins, get this, it's going to shock you, of the sunrise service. Sunrise service? Well, Baptist churches have always done that. It came from somewhere. I'm not trying to be mad at nobody. I'm not trying to make nobody mad. I'm just showing you what's in the Word. Ezekiel 8:16. The same vision. And he brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. They were, they were through with the Lord's temple and their faces toward the east, and they worship the sun toward the east. Again, this is tied to the women weeping with Tammuz, and now we've got them worshiping the sun as it comes up. I understand if all that makes you uncomfortable. I get it. I realize that you never participated in a pagan uh, ritual with those intentions, and neither did I. I didn't either. We did things, we've done things in innocence, not knowing. But once we understand the origin of something, it's harder to do it with innocence after that. 
We can't, as Bible-believing Christians, Christianize pagan symbols and rituals and accept these things as okay. Deuteronomy 12, 30 through 31, listen to what it says. God says, take heed to thyself that ye be not snared by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee, and that thou inquire not after their gods, saying, how did these nations serve their gods? Even so will I do likewise. Thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God. For every abomination to the Lord which he hateth have they done unto their gods. For even their sons and their daughters have they burnt in the fire to their gods. I know that's heavy stuff. The Catholics, they refer to Mary as the Queen of Heaven. Oh, they do. They also call her the Madonna. Y'all heard that name too, right? I remember the Beatles had a song, remember? Lady Madonna, yeah. Okay, let me show you where that comes from. Nimrod is also known as Baal, okay? The sun god, the god of fire. Semiramis is known as Baal Teeth, the moon goddess. Y'all ever seen the Catholic priest who hold up that giant cracker, that big moon-shaped cracker, and they hold it up and worship it? wonder where that comes from. Moon, Baalti, or moon goddess, in Latin, it's interpreted Nia Domina. Well, when it got down and it translated into Italian, it's simply Madonna. Baalti. That's who they try to take our Lord's mother and make her to be. They corrupt something. She was just a sinner needed to be saved like you and I. She's no, she's no, she's no uh, greater saint than you or I. Listen, she, again, Jesus said, who is my brother and who is my mother? He, he, he wasn't looking at her as she was to be exalted. All this evil we see going on in our world today, the baby killers, the, the sodomites, all this garbage, it all goes back to Baal worship. It all goes, yeah, listen, why, why are we seeing children disappearing and, being, and we're hearing about kids being sacrificed and these people are bloodthirsty and all this stuff? It all goes back to this horrible Baal worship. That's where all this evil that's going on in our world comes from. They are worshiping their God. The Bible talks about the God of this world. You say, well, that's the devil. Well, the devil presents himself in many forms. <clears throat> Baal and Molech, you've heard of both of them. They're both the same false god. Molech was the name he was called by his worshipers. And it's all about the sacrificing of children. Leviticus 18, 21 through 22, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy god. I am thou, the Lord. Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It's an abomination. You can see all that's tied to sodomy too. It's right there after it. All this stuff was going on. And God, what did he do? He came down and he judged them at, ba at Babel. And then he came down and he judged them at Sodom and Gomorrah. America is guilty of both of these things. 2,000 years have passed and the problem is still politics and paganism. It has not changed. People have been deceived into thinking it's just, pop, it's just politics and secularism. No, but the devil is playing for keeps, folks. It's time for us to hit our knees. 
It's time for us to pray for those on the front lines in our country. I'm talking about the street preachers who get out and get mocked and spit on and cussed at. I'm talking about I'm talking about the abolitionists who want to get rid of abortion, who stand out with those signs in front of abortion clinics and try to turn young mothers from killing their children to Christ. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking about those who work in the pregnancy centers and try to convince women not to kill their baby but to have their baby and give it up for adoption. On and on, those who pass out gospel tracts all day long. I mean, those who pay to have billboard signs put up to share the gospel. And those who go door to door, listen, we need to hit our knees and pray, God, give us more workers who will stand on the front lines for truth and right. And God, give us a burden. And God, give us a vision. God, give us a ministry. People who see ministry opportunities and pray for God to use them to be a spiritual first responder. People need Jesus. We're in a battle, folks, against an ancient evil that's been around as long as time has been here. But I'm going to tell you something. We serve a timeless God. Amen? Our timeless God is going to defeat this ancient evil. The Apostle James was on the front lines. And James died in battle. He gave his life for his Lord. Peter was taken by the enemy and scheduled for execution. And the church hit their knees. And they cried out to God. And it's time we did the same. I'm going to leave you right there and we'll pick up next Sunday morning. Let's stand together. I want to say as we're standing to those who are listening in to us, I may have shocked you with some things I said this morning, but that's all right. Truth needs to be told. Shame on the devil. He needs to be shamed. Truth needs to be told on the devil and how he deceives people. To wake people up. And I want to say this morning, listen, if you did something in ignorance, God's not God's not gonna God's not gonna hold you accountable for doing something in ignorance. The Bible says times of ignorance, God winked at it. He, he understands if you don't know something. But once you know, let's let's honor our Lord. Let's give him glory. Listen, let every Sunday ought to be resurrection Sunday. Listen, every day ought to be resurrection day. Baptist people have followed Catholic Church down the road to perdition way too long. It's time we should unhitch the long way back from all that garbage. But it's it's time that we we we. I mean, everything we ought, we ought to seek purity in everything of the Word of God. We ought not we ought not just take this word's world for, world's word for it. Amen. But again, I want to say to anybody out there listening to me this morning who's lost without Jesus Christ. Today, right now, there ain't a thing you can do but believe on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for our sins just as the Bible said. He was buried just as the Bible said he would be. And he rose from the grave just as the Bible said he would. And he paid the debt. It's all been paid. And all one must do is bow their head, trust Christ, believe on him and his, and his gift of salvation and be born again, have your sins forgiven. It's all been paid for. And I urge anybody who's not, come to Christ. To the church, I just want to say this morning, let's understand we are in a battle, and we are not winning at the moment. We have got to get focused. We have got to realize that we, if we don't go to the battle, the battle will come to us. I'd rather go to fighting now than get caught off guard. When I say fighting, I don't mean physical fighting. I don't mean being aggressive and mean. I mean having a heart and a love for sinners and going to them and taking them the gospel and praying urgently for those who are already in the fight. There are plenty of people. I, I got a good friend, Leo Lytle. He gets in that truck, in that trailer with all them crosses, and he heads out across America. 
And people stop him, and they want one of those crosses, and he shares Christ with them. He's winning people to Jesus in every single town he goes to. Last year, I think he said he saw over 500 people trust Christ. That's out on the street, just handing out wooden crosses that say Jesus is Lord on them. You say, that ain't much. Anybody could do that. I know. I know. Anybody could. Listen, again, Jesus likened the lost to a ripened field of grain. Again, you stick your hand out the window going down the road and get a right hand if you're close enough. It's easy to get. It's not hard. You don't have to climb in a tree. You don't have to jump a fence. It's everywhere. People are everywhere that need Christ. And the only way we're ever going to, to hold back the tide of evil running over us roughshod in America is if we start winning them over to the Lord. I urge you. Let's pray for the soul of America because it is it is about gone. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, come to you this morning. My heart's so heavy for my country. My heart's so heavy, Lord, not just my country, but this world we live in. Lord, so many people lost without Jesus. Lord, the church is asleep in America. Church is asleep. Churches are so worldly all around this country. They're so occupied with entertainment and putting on a good show, they've forgotten the message. Lord God, I know it breaks your heart. I know when you look down at this nation and you see all the people who are given given over to, to abortion and sodomy and all the perversions that go along with all that. Lord, I know it makes you sick. And I know, Lord, that when you look at your church and how needy we are, Lord, I know it breaks your heart. Father, I'm pleading that you please send revival in our town, in our church, in our in our state, in our country, in our world, please, Lord. Father, please. And if you won't send revival, Lord, send us revival in our hearts that we might go and reach them before it's everlasting field. Father God, I just plead with you, please, still work on the Lord now and I see you during this invitation. And we'll give you we'll give you the glory and the praise for all of you in Christ's name.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.